0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: We are on page 772.
2: Now concerning the flow of all the 613 kinds of functional powers and vital forces which are drawn from the concealment of the soul where they are previously hidden and from where they are now drawn to the body to animate it. Concerning this flow, the sages have said that the principal dwelling place and abode of this flow and the revelation of the previously concealed powers and forces entirely situated in the brains of the head.
1: Like he said earlier, that the soul contains within it all the individual abilities that are manifest in the body to see and to hear and all, all the abilities to speak and to think and, to, and every organ and every vein every part of the body has its own unique energy vitality and the soul contains and includes all of these abilities and the soul contains it on one level. It's like you have a general rule that contains all the details. Like you have a forest. The forest contains all the trees. But you look at it as a whole. You see the forest. You don't see the individual trees. You see the forest. When you look at the general rule, the general rule contains within it all the details. But it's general. So, but then, so you also have the soul, the way the soul is in a general state. And the soul in the general state contains within it all these diverse, all these different elements and aspects. But when the soul, when you speak of the soul in the general state, the general state is nothing other than the collection of all the details. Just instead of each detail being separate, when you put it all together, you end up in a general state. So there's nothing more in the general state than... Nothing other than what's later on um, separated and differentiated. So the the whole doesn't add anything to the details. It's just a collection of details, and it brings it all together. So you have the soul, where the soul is like in a general state. But then you also have something much deeper. Where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. The whole is not just a collection of details. Like the forest is a collection of trees. But instead of seeing the trees, now I see the forest. When the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, the whole has a dynamic of its own. For example, a a word is made up of many letters. Every letter has its own shape, its own sound, and even its own meaning. What happens when you put all the letters together? You end up in the word. The word now has a new meaning. The meaning of the word, the whole, is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's not just the sum total of its parts. You add all the letters together, no. When you add all the letters together, suddenly you come up with something new. A new dynamic. A new meaning. For example, you have one Jew. You have two Jews. Nine Jews. You have nine individual Jews. You put them together, fine, I have nine Jews. What happens when you reach the magical number of ten Jews? You have a minion. A minion is a new entity. It has its own dynamic. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. And even an angel can't be present in the presence of ten Jews. If an angel would present, he would, he would burn up. Because so, the holiness is so intense. So the whole is not just a collection of details. Of course, the whole is more than the details, because the whole is many details together. It's more than that. The whole has its own dynamic. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. And and the parts are a reflection of this whole. So it's a different dynamic and a different relationship. And therefore, because the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, and the whole is its own dynamic. Not only because it's a collection of details that combine to make up a whole. No, it's the whole that from this whole flows all these multitude of details. And, and therefore, from the whole's perspective, from that whole, from that inner dynamic that's greater than some total of its parts, from its perspective, the details, it's a different set of details. It's not about details. They all interrelate and interconnect. They're all connected with each other. There's a relationship. They're all linked with each other. When you look at the details separately, each detail is a world apart. What does the liver have to do with the heart? What does the heart have to do with the brain? What does the ability to see have to do with the ability to hear? Each organ is unique. Each organ is separate. Each organ has a unique ability. So yes, you bring them all together, so fine. So you have a collection. So when you have a collection of individuals... But there's no inner unity between them. There's no inner connection. They can gather together and they can form a group. Because they share something in common. But there's no inner, inner unity. But, but when you realize that these details flow from the whole. From this one entity. Which is, it has its own dynamic. And it's greater than some total of its parts. From, from that point of view, there's an inner unity, there's an inner connection. All the details are all part of one. They're all interrelated, interconnected, and therefore they all interact with each other, and they all compound with each other, and they all strengthen each other, and they all help each other, and they all receive from each other and give. It's a whole, it's a whole different dynamic. So this is, this is the dynamic of the soul. The soul is not just a collection of details. And the collection of details is centered in the mind, but on a deeper level, there's a whole. There's the soul itself. And this whole, it's not about details, it's about one entity that expresses itself, one dynamic entity that expresses itself in 613 different ways. But it's one entity. It's one life. Just like when you look at a live painting, you look at a live picture. It's alive, written, you know, painted by a master artist. There's a vision, there's a life force. You look at the painting, the painting is alive. And that life force permeates every aspect of the painting. All the lines and all the shades and all the and the and the trees and every part of the painting. Just like any life. The life of a tree is the same life that courses through the roots and the branch and the trunk and the leaves and the fruits and the stems. It's one life force. It's alive. The tree is alive. You can't differentiate. And it's that life force that expresses itself in all these different... in the leaf and the stem and all the different parts of the tree. So the soul is dynamic. The soul is alive. Because the soul is alive, therefore... It expresses itself through seeing and hearing and smelling and speaking and feeling and, and figuring things out and, and, and walking and, and everything that the body does, every organ. And therefore they're all connected. The brain and the, it's all one. It is one dynamic. It's a, different, it's a different point of view. It's an entirely different point of view. It's from within. It's from the soul's point of view, from this inner dynamic, from the whole. A whole is a different entity. It's a whole different dynamic. It's not just a collection of pieces of parts. It's 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 one entity that expresses itself in all these diverse different ways, and therefore they're all interrelated and interconnected. So you have one level where it's just a collection of uh, a collection of many different things, and you bring them all in one room. Okay, so yeah, fine. So that's a whole, that's a rule, a general, a general, and then you have specific. The general contains everything that's, all the specifics. It's all the specifics brought together as a general. All the trees become a forest. There's nothing more of the forest than the trees. The trees is made up, the forest is made up of trees. But instead of looking at each individual tree, I see the forest. Fine. That's a very superficial level. Then there's a deeper level where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. The whole has an inner dynamic, has its own dynamic. It's a vibrant dynamic entity. And this dynamic entity expresses itself in 613 different ways. And therefore all these specifics, it's not about being specific, details separate. They're not separate. They're all interrelated, interlinked, interconnected. Every part of the body, every organ of the body is interlinked and interconnected. But then there's even a greater level than that. A much deeper level. And that is, the essence of the soul is an essence of life. It's an essence of life. It's not about giving life. It's alive. The soul is alive before it enters into the body. The soul is alive after it leaves the body. It's not about giving life to the body. The soul has its own life, its own inner essence. I give life, fine. If I don't give life, it doesn't change anything. It's, it's, I'm a chunk of life and it's because the soul is an essence of life and it's not defined by the body and it's not there to give life to the body it, it just, it exists, it is because the soul is it's life force, it is, it just is it's not about life force, it's not about giving life it's not what the soul is about the soul just is, it's an essence of life when God connects the soul to the body the body to the soul, automatically, and the body is, is a vessel, a vehicle, it could receive, the human body is a vessel, a vehicle to receive the life force of the soul, and the body comes alive. Suddenly the body is alive, every cell of the body is alive. The body can see, the eyes can see, and the ears can hear, and suddenly you're alive, and you're functioning, and every, every organ in the body, and every limb in the body, and every, every vein in the body comes alive and has its unique function but the reason why the soul has such an effect in the body such a profound effect a transformative effect in the body is you know why because the soul's essence is not here it's not a life force it's not here to give life the soul is just an essence of life and all these three levels reside in the mind So the mind, in addition to being one organ of the body, the most refined organ of the body, that's a vessel for the most refined part of the soul, the ability to think, to figure things out, to comprehend, to conceive. What's far more profound about the mind is that the mind senses the general aspect of the soul. A, the level where the soul is like a collection of all these different parts, but on a higher level, where the soul is just a dynamic entity. The soul is, the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. And the soul is a, a life force that expresses itself in 613 different ways. And therefore, there's such harmony in the body because it's all points of connection. It's not, it's, it's not about being separate and divided and it's all interrelated, interconnected. And even on a deeper level, that the soul is just an essence of life. And the brain is in tune with these realities of the soul. The truth is <laughs> that even this level, the essence of life, doesn't really either capture the essence of the soul. Because the essence of the soul has nothing to do with life. <laughs> the essence of the soul is not, it's not even that it's a chunk of life, a force of life, piece of life. The essence of the soul is the essence of the soul, whatever the soul is the fact that the soul is, is, is a chunk of life, an essence of life, that's not even the main part of the soul. The soul, yes, the soul is energy and it's life, but that's not what the soul, really the essence of the soul is about. That's why it says that only the, the array of the soul enters the body. The essence of the soul remains beyond. So even that ability to give life And that part of the soul with a whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. The soul being one entity. And even on a deeper level, the soul is just an essence of life. Not even a life force. That it's just an essence of life. All of this is describing the part of the soul that makes contact with the body. But the essence of the soul itself, the true essence of the soul, the essence of the essence remains transcends even the life part of the soul. Is that the essence of the soul? The life? The soul is... We don't even know what the soul is, what the essence of the soul truly. is. But, but the part of the soul that gives us life, that connects with the body, and that gives us life, it's because the, that the essence of the soul, the soul is a piece of life. Who senses this? Where does this reside? It resides in the mind. And because it all originates in the mind, that's why he's going to explain... That the soul, the mind is the command and control center of the whole body. All the nerve systems come to the mind. The mind controls the heart. Why does the mind control the heart? How could the mind control the heart? Because the mind senses the whole. Senses the soul as a whole. When you sense the soul as a whole, therefore, everything originates in the mind. The mind is the leader. The mind is the command and control center of the whole body.
0: Therefore, it is they, the brains, which first receive the power and life force appropriate to them according to their composition and character, namely intellect, which is divided into three faculties called the body, and the faculty of thought, and whatever pertains to the brain, all these receive their life force from the soul or the other parts of the body. And not only this, that the brains receive their own light force before the other organs, but also the overall flow of all the individual streams of vitality to the other organs is also first included and enclosed in the brains of the head before it becomes revealed in the individual organs. And it is there in the brain that the core and source of the said flow exist in a form in which the light and vitality of the entire soul are revealed. In other words, when the general flow of vitality reaches the brain, then the light and vitality of the entire body begin to be revealed. From there, the brain radiance flows to all the other organs, each of which then receives the functional power and vital force appropriate to it. According to its composition and character, the power of sight is revealed in the eye, the power of hearing in the ear, and so on. In other words, at which point does a power of existence ready to be revealed in the eye and, the pow- and a power of hearing the ear, only after the overall life force of the whole body is drawn into the brain in a general matter, then a radiance is drawn from there to each organ a radiance which is already constituted in accordance with a particular character of the individual organ.
2: But all functional powers flow from the brain, as it is known, for there in the brain is located the principal dwelling place of the entire soul in a revealed form. Although the soul actually exists all over the body equally, with no difference between one organ and another, yet the principal place in which the soul is revealed is in the brain. Since there, in the brain, the overall life force which flows from the soul is revealed. It is only the individual faculties of the overall life force which shine forth and radiate from there, the brain to all the organs of the body, just as light radiates and shines from the sun into the innermost of rooms. Even the heart, which is a central organ from which all other organs receive vitality, the heart diffuses to all organs, receives its own vital force from the brain, which is why the brain naturally dominates the heart as explained above. In chapter 12, it was explained that man is created with the natural supremacy of the brain over the heart, and the reason is explained here because the heart, despite its sensuality, must in turn receive its own vital force from the soul through the medium to the brain.
1: Just like the sun, where the soul becomes a sun that emanates light that spreads out into the rooms, into all the different rooms. So where does the soul become a source from which it emanates all the individual powers, abilities and faculties of the soul? that's revealed and manifest in the brain because the brain draws out and senses the soul as a whole so first in order for the soul to, f- to be able to manifest from itself all these individuals faculties when the soul is for itself the soul is just a trunk of life yes that trunk of life flows through every part of the body equally Every part of the body, every cell of your body is alive, whether it's a toenail or a ear, every part of your body equally. The brain, the liver, there's no difference. It's undifferentiated. It's just an essence of life that makes contact with the body, and the body comes alive. But how do you get from there to be able to draw out from the soul and to manifest from the soul that it should light up the brain, that the brain should be able to figure things out, to act as a brain? The intellectual abilities to draw out the intellectual abilities from the soul, to draw out the ability to see or to hear, all the different faculties. So there, the soul has to, like, descend, so to speak, and has to reveal itself as a source, as a sun. So first the soul reveals itself as a whole, where the whole is dynamic and all interrelated and interconnected. And then... From that level, the soul has to manifest itself into like a general composite of all the different faculties. And then from there, just like the light travels from the sun and is able to reach and light up all the different rooms and all different individual rooms, so from there, the energy is able to flow and to manifest and to be revealed in every chamber of the body, in the brain, and the heart, that the brain should activate, activate the brain activate the soul's ability to comprehend, and through the heart to activate the soul's ability to feel, and, to every, and so too in every organ of the body. So all of this is like the light of the sun that's connected to its source. Even when the, when the light travels, and it reaches and it lights up the room, it's connected to its source. So the source is all in the brain. The brain is where the soul is manifest, where the soul becomes a sun, becomes a source for all these individual abilities, and even when it travels, so to speak, and it lights up the different chambers, the different parts of the body, it like the light of the sun remains connected to the source. So it all remains connected to the brain. That's why the brain remains the command and control center of the whole body. Not only the brain sends away the ability to think and No, it no longer is connected to the brain. No, it remains constantly connected to the brain. All the nerve systems end up in the brain. The brain feels your pain. It's the brain that's constantly coordinating between the body and the command and control center of every organ in the body and giving the signal, telling the, the liver to be a liver and the function of the liver and telling the heart to be a heart. It all comes from the brain. All the centers of the body all originate from the brain because it's the brain that senses the whole it's the brain where the soul manifests itself as a whole, as a sun. And from this, the rays, it spreads out and all the details spread out from, this, from the source. So everything is manifest in the brain. So the brain signals, sends out the signals to each individual, to every organ that should act as an individual organ. But it also sends out the sense to each organ that you're not just an individual organ. You're connected to something greater than you. Every organ is connected to something. Every organ is part of something larger than all of, all of the organs put together. The soul. So the brain helps each organ be unique and individual. Shows the uniqueness of every organ. and signals each organ you have to manifest the soul in your own unique way. Don't try to be a heart, you're a liver. And on the other hand, don't forget that you're not just about being a liver. A great liver, a functioning liver, a perfect liver. You are part of something larger than you and and all of us, even the brain, we're part of all something larger than us, which is all part of that dynamic entity. We're part of that chunk of life, that essence of life, which is one, one. The soul is one. But it all manifests itself in the brain. So that's why the brain is so central. The brain is where the soul is manifest. The brain is where that's like where the soul through the brain the soul is able then to manifest itself individually and yet at the same time retain sense of unity and its sense of collectiveness and we're all part we're all together so it it all is revealed in the brain and this is all a parable with which he's going to answer the question he asked at the beginning of the chapter which we'll learn Next time, he's going to answer the question that he posed at the beginning of the chapter. What's the meaning of the Shekhinah, where you say Hashem's presence is manifest, that God is everywhere. What do you mean that God is found in the Holy of Holies? What's the difference between the Holy of Holies and everywhere else? God is everywhere. Everywhere should be holy. What makes the Holy of Holies so holy, holier than anywhere else? If God is truly everywhere. And with this analogy of the human body... With this, he's going to clarify and answer the question, to be continued.
2: I didn't know about the Tanya, about the because part of my family was Orthodox, mm. seated, and Paul, you know, you know so well, I didn't know well, about this. We're, we're trying to
1: change this. <laughs> I think it that,
2: you know bit. what? I think if more people knew about the Babad, they would go more towards religion. Than what exists
1: now. Yeah, there will be much more observance.
2: Yes, very much.
1: Because there's awareness, education, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's amazing. You
0: know, like on Shabbos, the the younger people, the young professionals, come over and they hang out and they're staying around in the afternoon. You know, it's yeah. Sort of, it's like uh, enjoyable. There's whole kinds of activity going on after the kiddish. They're sitting around and chatting, you
2: know. I know. They find bad. it relevant. And they, be, they love it. They, it's very social. It's, religion is enjoyable as opposed to it's an obligation now.
1: You know, maybe you have to shy away today from the word religion because yep. it has so many negative connotations. And Judaism is deeper than religion. It's life. It's a way of life. So, you know, once they observance observant or, 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 the, or living as a Jew and just connecting, people, people love it, of course. There's yes. nothing like coming home. <laughs> but that's, that's, it all boils down to Chabad, which is education, education, education. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And, and primarily the Tanya, which is the, this is the Torah of Hasidus, of Chabad. This is... Mm-hmm makes it all come alive this is what makes it all relevant and meaningful and can you know people able to connect with it and so we're trying to get the word out <laughs> yeah. trying you know with the lessons in tanya.com trying to get the tanya out and the Rebbe tried very hard he published over five thousand tanyas literally in every city in the world because he wanted every jew in the world to study tanya because he knew that this will this would transform your life mm-hmm. and transform the Jewish life and transform the world through this book. That's how powerful this book is. But unfortunately, the Tanya was still a closed book. Most people are very frustrated.
2: They don't even know about it. They don't but know the about SM, it. They don't what Tanya, the book Tanya Right, they right. They think
1: know. the actress Tanya or whatever. No, <laughs> they, they don't yeah. know. It's another another <laughs> yeah. religious
2: book that I, do I have to read. No, it, know,
1: like, right. And then, and then, um, and even those who do know, you read the comments, very frustrated, because it's not a book you can just take on your bed, like bedtime reading, and just read it. You, you know, you're going to fall asleep. You know, like, what, what's he saying here? What's he talking about here? Well, what's so earth-shattering about? What's, how is this relevant? Or what's What does it mean? And so, you know, a lessons in Tanya, what I'm trying to do is trying to, make it available a gateway trying to make it available and accessible if people can access it and can get excited about it and become lifelong students of it all it is is just really an attempt to whet people's appetite like once people get a taste of tanya they're hooked for life that's it you don't have to you don't have to sell anything they're, they're there they give me more you can't get enough you know the comments we get is you know we we can't the chapters on quick enough, like, 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 you know, like. It's it's that
2: woman sh- that came here, she yeah. was so impressed. I don't remember her. Um, would your parents follow the Tanya? The sure. sure.
1: This is what kept them observant in Russia. It's the people who followed the Tanya that kept Judaism alive in Russia. Everyone else ran for the hills. It was the Chabad who studied the Tanya. They had the oomph and the energy and the sacrifice and the heroism and the courage to keep the flame alive in the Stalinist Russia. It's only those who study the Tanya that really... Then, then you separated the boys from the... The like, men from the boys. you know, you saw allowed
2: to...
1: Yeah, it. it was underground, of course, yeah. but they were ready to sacrifice their lives and they kept the yeshivot and they kept Jewish life going. So that's like a moment of truth. You know... When you see what's for real, it's like when it's nice weather, it's beautiful weather, everything grows. But when the winds are howling and there's a hurricane, and the, then you see which trees are deeply rooted, which trees can last, survive the storm. So the trees that are deeply rooted, so in, in a time of crisis under Stalin, then you can see who had the deep roots, who had the real connection. Those who study the Tanya weathered the storm. Those who didn't study the Tanya fell like flies. You know, fell by the way. Like in one second, they were gone. You know? So, this was a moment of truth. So you see, and even today, who created the whole renaissance of Jewish life all over the world? Who is the avant-garde? It's Chabad house. <laughs> 4,000 Chabad houses all over the world. Why? Because of the Tanya. There is no other reason. There's no other explanation. It's not like we're, we smile better, or we have better social skills, or we're more... Mechanically more efficient, that, that's this is the only explanation. The secret of Chabad, the secret of what drives us, what motivates us, of what, what our message it all comes to the Tanya, you know, all roads keep on coming back to the same, uh, same point. But it's been a closed book till today, it's been a closed book, unfortunately, to most English readers. It's been a closed book, and uh, even though there are many different classes and many of this, but it's it's you read the comments. People are very frustrated because it's it's they know the Tanya is special and they can see it's special, but it's just they don't can't access it. That's why it's so important to publicize and to get the word out and to, um,
2: But it's easier when you go to a class and to just read it by yourself, like you said. Some of this is so heavy, you know,
1: like just wouldn't understand you explain Right. Tanya was written for everyone, but it wasn't written. It f- was written in a very cryptic, very short, taken into account that you know a lot of information, a lot of background information. So the message is very universal for everyone, but it needs to be explained in order to really understand what he's saying. That's what that's... What. And you know the best we can hope for we're not no one is vouching that the explanations are <laughs> authentic or genuine or 100% or the, but just to whet the appetite just to let people um, own up to the Tanya to their heritage the Tanya belongs to every Jew just, just it's yours and, and you're a billionaire here withdraw this is your account number take Withdraw as much as you can. Make your life as rich as rich as possible. The more you withdraw from the Tanya, the richer you are. You know, you can live an impoverished existence. You can live on Park Avenue. Same as spiritually. You can you can live an impoverished existence, or you can live in the richest, most richest, most profound. You just have to withdraw. The access in and withdraw. So this is this is every Jew has a personal bank account. The Tanya belongs to each and every Jew. It's their birthright, and it's not right that we kept it hidden all these years. You know, we have a responsibility. Those who are fortunate to learn the Tanya, to grow up with the Tanya, have a responsibility to help every Jew access the birthright.
2: It was in Russia, but did it spread throughout the rest of Eastern Europe, or was it just like
1: the Tanya studied today by Jews all over the world? No, but. At the time? Oh, at the time? uh, Primarily it was in Russia, but Al-Tarebi wrote, when he wrote the Tanya, he says he did not write the Tanya for a group of Jews. He wrote the Tanya for the entire Jewish people. Mm -hmm. So ultimately the message of the Tanya will permeate and penetrate every segment, every part, every, every part of every Jew. Because the message of the Tanya is relevant to each and every Jew. It's, it's the profoundest It's the clearest It's, Ironically Paradoxically This, the Tanya Is the most modern book This is the most modern language This is the language That modern people understand They don't understand anything else The Tanya they understand Because this is the language of the soul This is, yeah. this is the language of the soul The language of the soul is modern It's current this, this, is, this is so real Everything else, they have very difficult, great difficulty. They can't, they can't relate. It's, this gets straight to the, the essence.
2: I found very spiritual, very you know, touch, it does, it really touches you as opposed to just reading a, a religious book.
1: It's true, exactly. So, so uh, imagine the joy of every Jew. If every Jew will have the joy mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to discover the Tanya. <laughs> Imagine the excitement and the joy when every Jew could discover this treasure. When it's no longer a hidden treasure, but uh, it's dug out and on display, everyone to touch and to access and to own it and to take home. Put it in your pocket and take it home <laughs> with you.
0: Do they teach the Tanya to um, you know like teenagers and stuff sure. like that? because. You know, of course. It's almost like you need to have some life experiences to really like appreciate well, these concepts. You
1: know, it's like the Torah. The Torah is for every Jew. A five year old child will get the simple, the simplest meaning, the story. As you grow older, you mature. There's always layers and layers, and you can understand it in a deeper level and deeper level. But the soul is the same. Soul doesn't is not 3 years old, 5 years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. We go through different stages of development, but the soul is the same. When the Jewish soul hears something godly, it resonates. You can't even explain it. The 99-year-old mystic and scholar this, and, 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 the, and the 13-year-old bar mitzvah boy, you know, it resonates. Maybe they don't understand it fully. The truth is even the 99-year-old doesn't understand it fully. Because it's infinite. It's so deep. Just like the Torah. The Torah is like a closed book. We've been studying it for 3,300 years and yet it's like we still haven't even even scratched the surface. We haven't even scratched the surface. It's fresh because it's so deep. We haven't even scratched the surface. But, but everything in the Torah, every word, every letter, every it resonates because it's real. It, because it touches a neshama. This is soul language. Soul language, the 13-year-old understands it. He understands the message. It's it, something, it, 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 you respond, something inside of you responds to this. You know, to it. And, and the, the most complex and the deepest and the greatest also responds. It, it's a soul response. So whether the, the 12-year-old child understands it fully and fully appreciates it, not necessarily. But it's your soul response. And you get excited about it. When the Jew hears about godliness, the Jew gets excited. Mm-hmm. Do you understand it fully? Could you explain it fully? Not necessarily. But, but there's something about it that touches you. And that elevates you. And it changes you, and it makes you a better Jew, and it makes you more godly, and it makes you enjoy godly things, and it makes you eagerly look forward to do a mitzvah, and to get excited about praying to Hashem, and about being Jewish, and being loving, and selfless, and kind, and good, and having Avet Yisrael. So th- this, is, this works in every Jew. The greatest to the smallest. And it has a profound effect on each and every Jew. But of course, of course it has to go through the filter of the mind. So when the 12-year-old understands it on his level to the best of his ability, and the 99-year-old mystic and scholar has to break his head and he has to understand it to the best of his ability. And then the inner core filters through, the, the, the neshama, your soul is moved and touched by the, by the experience and by the knowledge so this is, this is the magical touch of Hasidus, it really touches us, it it's, talks to us, it speaks to us, it's current, it's relevant, it's modern. You talk to a Jew who is totally non-observant, this he understands, everything else he doesn't understand, this he understands, this talks right to him. This is, you're talking my language, I know what you're talking about, I relate to him. He responds to this, everything else he doesn't understand someone once uh, when our, when our first Shabbaton we had in Crown Heights we took from the Upper East Side many years ago and uh, one of the people who came he's a very big lawyer and he said, you know I would have never thought I would think that the you know, the modern Orthodox rabbi looks like me, I'm clean shaven he's clean shaven I would be able to relate to him <laughs> he says, the funny thing is I relate to you guys <laughs> more than I relate and to your message and what you're saying it just, it just speaks to me this cuts through all the surface the external the superficial and gets it's like a depth charge it gets straight to you to the point and straight to the essence and it, it nobles up it lifts up and it inspires it, it resonates at so many different levels intellectually emotionally psychologically it just it just touches every part of you in a, in a very profound way so this is this is the Tanya this is Hasidus and the challenge is, as Mashiach told the Baal Shemitev, our job is spread the word. Take the wellspring itself and spread it out. Get the Alter Rebbe to talk directly yeah. to each and every Jew. Just get out of the way. Just, just, just. Here's the Alter Rebbe himself. Here, he wants to have a conversation with you. Now, Alter Rebbe may speak a language, you don't speak Hebrew, and Alter Rebbe is speaking, fine. So all the explanations are just here to help you, like you need a translation. But all the translations are here just to translate. It's a direct communication. Alter Rebbe is talking to you directly. You don't need any intermediaries. You don't need any, the less you interfere, the better. Let it be direct, person to person. But you need, in order to understand what Al-Turabi is saying, because Al-Turabi is speaking, but I don't speak Hebrew, I don't understand what he's saying. What is is he telling me? Okay, so you need a little help in translation, but that's it. Your translation is just a translation of his words that that are speaking directly to you. That's the whole transmission of the Torah. That's why the Torah has been transmitted faithfully from generation to generation. Without any embellishment. The Torah doesn't need embellishment. You're not allowed to add one letter to the Torah. Because the Torah speaks directly to us. God is speaking directly to us. You don't need any embellishment. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's real. You, you don't add. Don't, don't take off. Don't subtract. Just, just get out of the way. Get your ego out of the way and just let Hashem speak. But in order to translate, because Hashem is speaking, but I, I don't understand what he's saying. Okay, so you need help. So all the commentaries and all the trans it's just here ultimately to translate the direct communication between you and Hashem. Don't think for a moment that the translation and that you—you know—you're you, not a barrier. You're here to to facilitate, to bring closer, to make that direct contact, to help, the help, that direct contact between the Alter Rebbe and every Jew. So you're just here to really facilitate, to bring them closer together, to bring the Rebbe with every Jew. You, 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 get out of the way it's not about you because al Rebbe says I can speak directly to every Jew with all due respect I don't need your <laughs> your clever embellishment sophisticated I I can talk to a soul I know what a soul is you don't know what a soul is I know what a soul is let me let me speak directly just get get out of the way you want to help you want to bring me closer because if you translate so then he can understand what I'm saying that's fine beautiful then you can be helpful but that's it it's very limited <laughs> very limited <laughs> to be blank just, just let let the message unfortunately there's a lot of this that's where a lot of people get lost because they forget that they're just translators and then translator thinks that he's the teacher <laughs> and he has to invent a new way of teaching and he has to he supersedes and overrides the teacher and he thinks the teacher is old-fashioned and the teacher doesn't No one can relate to what he's talking about so he has to come up with a new Torah no, no. <laughs> you've completely misunderstood the teacher you've completely misunderstood the message you've completely misunderstood the recipient you have no confidence in the message you have no confidence in the teacher you have no confidence in the, in the student and your ego is just in the way and interfering just get your ego out of the way and just let the fountain, the fountain itself, let the fountain itself, bring the fountain itself to each and every tree. The fountain itself will do all all the work, the heavy, heavy, heavy lifting. So that's what we have to aspire to be, just to be a facilitator to make that. Just to be a translator, that's it. But the same joy that we had growing up. You know, we had a joy. To discover Tanya was a joy. You know, it's it's something so special. It's one of the most special books ever written. Svarim. You know, we want every Jew to experience the joy. Like you were describing earlier. The joy of discovery. The joy of discovering such a profound. Mm-hmm. So just, just let just to watch that. It's so humbling just to watch a Jew discover Tanya. And see the Nishama just like start to blossom and to open up and to flourish. And finally, like, like, like fresh water you know, you're in a parched desert and suddenly you have refreshing water and to come alive. And to, you know, it's like to discover this beautiful garden and this beautiful fountain and to discover this beautiful palace and this riches, untold riches that was right under your nose, but no one ever told me about it. Yeah. And, and just that discovery. Imagine you discover you're a billionaire. Imagine the joy you discover that you own something that no one can take away from you and it's yours and you can spend the rest of your life just exploring and discovering and mining all these riches. So just to watch one Jew at a time, one soul at a time, hmm. discovering the joy, just the joy in the face, the joy of discovering the time.
0: It's interesting, you know, like uh, <laughs> when we are learning Ashir uh, kitshano. Or- um, that whole concept was so new to me, I mean, I had no idea, uh, you, you know, what is it, sanctify, you know, this and that, I mean, I never even, like, I, I, I haven't been thinking about it, and then, you know, when it resonates like that, it like changes your whole outlook, it's just unbelievable, you know, yes. in other words, you think of it in terms of betrothal, and then when I'm actually saying the blessing, it's, it's a whole... It's beautiful.
1: Otherwise, you can go through your whole life, make a hundred blessings a day, and it means absolutely nothing. Right. (laughs) Right. And suddenly, with one little, suddenly, wow, comes to life. Yeah. It's meaningful. It's real. It's, 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 it's... And everything in that, everything in that, everything Chassidus touches, suddenly, a mitzvah. You can go through your whole life. A mitzvah is a commandment. A mitzvah is a commandment. A mitzvah is a commandment. Beautiful. But suddenly, Chassidus gives you the punchline turns on the light switch. A mitzvah, the root word of the word says, connection. That's what a mitzvah is, a connection. Every time I do a commandment, I'm connecting. It's not just a ritual and a custom. It's something real. It's an experience. Something real is happening. It changes your whole experience. Suddenly, it's a whole different different mitzvah. It's a whole different blessing. It's a whole different prayer. Love your fellow Jew. It's a whole different experience. It's not dry and... It's alive, it's warm, it's genuine, it's heartfelt. It's you come alive as a Jew. And why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> you know, we have a book that's been, that's been accomplishing it for three, 200, over 200 years. through thick and thin, through Stalin, through I mean and you see today, you see the results. 4,000 Chabad houses all over the world. It created the revolution, the renaissance of Jewish life all over the world. Only because of this book.
2: When was this book published?
1: This was published, first published in the year 1796.
2: Okay, if it was published then, how did they allow it to, how did people access it if you weren't allowed to express your religion?
1: No, no. Under Tsarist Russia you were. This wasn't until the communists Mm -hmm. came to power. Okay, so under Tsarist Stal- Russia you were persecuted but you're allowed to you allowed to keep your religion this was before the communists came in the, in the 20th century and they shut down Jewish life you know they, they, they shut down but, um, so you know it's, 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 it's been an uphill battle uh, but you know to appreciate what this is you know, Kislev is a time to really reflect and to really focus on the power of this book, you know, what, what, what is, what, what, you have to appreciate it, you know, you, you can't take it for granted, you have to realize what, how revolutionary, it is. it's such a revolutionary book, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Till today, that revolutionary spirit and that, you know it seems like a very calm book you read it it's very you know if you just read it superficially what's the big deal what's exciting what's he saying what's what's but the truth is every chapter you read you want to jump out of <laughs> like wow i never looked at it this way it's unbelievable it like changes my whole point of view my whole perspective it lights a fire it's, 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 it it changes you forever you'll never ever look at it the same you'll never experience it the same you'll never it's just mind-boggling and yet it's like deceptively like very subtle very calm like i rebbe didn't even put his name down it's like yeah it's no big deal i'm just it's just a collection like, yeah a collection <laughs> also a collection it's like you know very that's his whole stuff very it's like hashem hashem creates the world you look at the world, you don't see, you don't get excited. So what's the big deal? But the truth is, you don't get excited. You know what creation is, you know what's going on. This very moment God is recreating the world. It's it's such a novelty, it's it's so it's so irrational, the whole thing of such a miracle. It's so dynamic, so powerful, it has to be this powerful energy that's constantly creating the world. Otherwise the stone couldn't exist for a moment. But you look at it, it looks nothing. And no one even pays attention. You just go right by it and you don't but the truth is it's very deceptive <laughs> it's, it's so dynamic it's so alive it's so profound and that's every style very everything is explained very calmly and very brilliantly and very uh, yeah, as if yeah what's the big deal so, you know, I'm just I'm not saying anything you know it's very this idea is so clear and so simple but the truth is when you realize it so you say wow <laughs> unbelievable where
2: did you get all this um, I mean, he wasn't that old. I mean, he wasn't 80 years old when he wrote the
1: book. So It's divine wisdom. He was a divine person. He was a holy person. You don't, no human being can get such wisdom. This is, this, is, this is, Al-Turabi had a very special soul, new soul. Most of our souls are recycled. al was known to have a new soul, a soul that never came into this world. He, he, he was a very special soul after he was a revolutionary everything he did was new he touched everything he touched the prayer book it's a new prayer book he touched everything he touched was new Code of Jewish Law the Tanya. I mean you know everything because he was a, such a, he was a novel soul a new soul a very holy soul a very special soul and he brought an inspired tremendous amount of holiness and godliness he unleashed he unleashed such incredible amount of holiness and godliness till this very day. Every Chabad house—it's a Chabad house. All the good deeds, all the mitzvot, all the holy things that come from every Chabad house all over the world—is directly from Netanya. It's clear.
2: Um, I, I, I find the Chabad house is just—I'm blessed that I found found this Chabad house.
1: You okay. have sixty-nine thousand just left to go <laughs> on the upper east side. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any years of my life to spread the word. Oh, well, we're in the internet age. Things can happen. Yeah, we just get the information out there. See, that's the blessing of the internet and cable and internet. You just, it's there. In one second, you can touch millions of people all over the world simultaneously. That's that's the blessing we have today. You know, you don't have to wait till everyone will physically come to you you can come to them in their bedroom and in their in their dens the internet and with the TV and instant instant communication so that, that's that's trying to take advantage of the lessons the website lessons and Tanya trying to get the and even the cable I mean you know, I can't tell you how many people the feedback we get all the time People all sitting in their bedrooms, you know, ten thirty Sunday night after all the games, and, <laughs> and you know, and they're in the bedrooms where there their husbands or wives, and the end of you know, five hundred channels, nothing to watch, and they click right. and the clicking through the TV, and all of a sudden they see, they see uh, Kabbalah and the psychology of the soul. They see some Torah. They love it. I never heard this before. It's fascinating. It's interesting, you know. So you know, so you never know. You have, you have. 50 million tourists come to Manhattan a year and you have this whole population and you never know who's sitting and watching Yeah, and we know, we just, this is what we hear we, 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 there's so many we don't know how people just well, the people came the last few weeks they came from that they were just
2: yeah.
1: sitting and watching okay. cable. yeah and uh, so it, it's, it's an amazing tool that Hashem gave us to really communicate the message and spread the message. And that's our challenge. That's what. That's where the Rebbe needs us. <laughs> that's where the Rebbe needs us. That's where Mashiach needs us. He says, we, our job is get the wellspring out there. The wellspring will already talk to each and every Jew. Just get out of the way. But communicate, get it out, translate, and try to be as faithful as possible to the let the message itself speak, don't embellish, don't just get out of the way, just let the Alter Rebbe speak to bring the audience closer to the Alter Rebbe let them understand what he's saying uh-huh. and and he does the rest, you don't have to do anything, you know, the soul understands So one soul speaks to another soul uh-huh. Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe could speak directly to each and every Jew so this is the time of the year, Yudas Kislev the Shabbaton, Friday night, we'll celebrate and time to reflect and take stock. At six years. It's also our 6th anniversary since we started LessonsInTanya.com. Um, which created... A,
0: uh, you started it right about this time?
1: Not, not right about this no, time. Yates Kislev was the first one that came yeah. out. On Yates Kislev, 6 years ago. So it started the quiet revolution. Hopefully not so quiet. <laughs> and um, it... Um, you know, it's... It, hopefully it's just the beginning and and inspire others also to do it's not just no one has any exclusive rights on anything just to inspire that people should realize what a what a gift we have you know it's like the Jewish people the Jewish people are lying in the dust no one realized what a treasure it is the, the non-Jews knew what a treasure the Jewish people were instead of harassing us in the UN and driving us uh, driving us bunkers and pressuring us and trying to make life miserable for the Jews they, they they would be helpful they wouldn't be able to do enough what else could we do to make life easier so you should be more Jewish and tap into this resource that you have this treasure and help us all the Tanya is like a treasure that's been lying in the dust no one no one made attention to it. everyone was busy with other things as holy as they are it can't Hold a candle to the Tanya. I mean, you have the greatest treasure in the world, <laughs> and it's like it's like no one was paying attention to it. It was like it was like. So it's it's so important to really bring this to the forefront because that's what the world needs today. This is what the world needs desperately needs. You know, there's no other way. This is this is this is the language that every Jew can relate to. And this is what Israel needs. The only way Israel is going to have the strength to resist the pressure—the incredible pressure from in the world—is only when you have the Tanya. When you have that inner fortitude and confidence, and you know what a Jew is, and you know what a God is, you know what the Torah is, you know what reality is, you know what truth is, and you know what a non-Jew is. Then, then you can, you have the strength to approach the issue properly and to speak what needs to be said, respectfully, but genuinely. Again, it all comes to the same point. You have to have confidence in the message, and you have to have confidence in the audience. God has confidence in the non-Jew. And He has confidence in the message. You don't have to water down the message. You don't have to dumb down the message. Tell the non-Jew the truth. And they can handle it. And they want to hear the truth. But it all comes from this insecurity that, you know, it's it's too raw, it's too powerful and no one will buy it and it's, it's not for it's, it doesn't work in the real world like them. want to be like them it doesn't work in the real world but this problem is not only a problem for assimilated Jews it could be even internally a lot of internal Jews also have that, that attitude that you know this is too holy this is not a realistic program for real people we have to create something dumbed down, something that people can handle And that really gets to the whole crux of the whole problem of assimilationism, of Israel trying to bend over twist itself into a pretzel to to be loved. It all comes from the same point. When you don't have the confidence in your message, you don't have the confidence in the audience. It's insulting. You're insulting the nanju. You think you can't handle the truth? You think the world is so fragile? The world is like babies? You can't handle the truth? Come on, the world is a grown-up. What they can't handle is the lies. And that's why they they, they keep on coming back. The anti-Semitism just grows stronger. The more you bend over to listen to a pretzel, the more you try to... The less respect they have for you. And the pressure just intensifies and increases. But when you speak, treat them like mature adults. and And speak to them like adults. Don't treat them like babies. And tell them the truth. The raw truth. The real truth. Then, you, when you show respect for them, they'll respect you. And really, anti-Semitism is the non-Jews' funny way of telling the Jew, get your act together and stop looking, stop condescending. Stop treating us like little children. Speak to us like grown-ups. Tell us the truth, please. And when Jews will start telling the truth and treating, having enough respect for the message of the Torah, for the truths of the Torah, and having enough respect for the six billion people for our audience, the non-Jew will respect us. Give us a standing ovation, and they won't be able to do enough for Israel to help us. Yes, you may still have the packets of Amalek, of real hardcore anti-Semites, which they have to be destroyed because there's nothing you could do to them, you know. But the Chmielnickians of the world, you know, the hardcore, yeah. rotten to the core, right. evil, absolute evil. Okay, that there's nothing you could do, but. Six billion people are not that way. Yet. Most of the world are essentially good and they have to be, they're waiting for, for that guidance and they're waiting to be spoken to maturely and as adults with respect. But this attitude is a, is a very, it's, a, it's an exile mentality. It's a, it's, a, it's a ghetto mentality that we've never outgrown. You know, The flood is over. The war is over. We don't have to be intimidated anymore. You just have to have the courage and the strength. But, but it, it, it's, a, it's a deep problem that many Jews suffer. The problem is not the non-Jews anymore. The problem is us. We've met the enemy and it's us. We don't have the confidence. We don't have the... And this is a very deep internal problem. And even Jews who should know better, who are on the inside, don't have that confidence. They really believe that this book won't sell. It's too raw. People are not interested in the time. Now, let me ask you: Is that true? Do, do you do you agree with that approach? That statement that people are just
2: no. I don't. I don't. I think that they're not aware. I don't think that you know it's true. They're just not aware.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's all it is and that you can do something about (laughs) that you can do something about that's where we come in that's our responsibility to make people aware and the rest
2: I think people are negative when they don't know what it's all about
1: exactly but you know sometimes there's a saying in Hebrew (laughs) chaser hasbara chaser havana. when a teacher can't explain it the real reason he can't explain it is because he doesn't understand it. Yeah. So he says the student is too dumb to understand it, or the student is too complicated for the student to understand. So he blames it on the student. Not a good teacher. A good teacher goes back to the drawing board. If I can't explain it, you know what it means? I don't understand it. I haven't mastered it. Einstein could explain the deepest concepts of physics to a five-year-old child, because he's the master. If I don't understand it, if I don't can't explain it, the problem is not, don't blame the student, and don't blame your audience. If you think the audience doesn't appreciate it and can't understand it, you know why? Blame yourself, because you don't understand it. You understand it very superficially. So you're blaming it on the, on the student.
2: I, you know, I, I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I think that's why most people, the world, doesn't have favoritism towards Jewish people. They don't understand it understand so they don't understand this so they get very defensive and they blame everything on us
1: i'll I'll tell you a secret most jews don't understand that's where the problem comes from. most jews don't understand what it means what it means the chosen people they think the chosen were better looking or smarter or more successful that that has nothing to do with the chosen that's not what it's about when the jew doesn't understand it and we don't feel comfortable With the whole idea. Who's going to believe in us? Right. If we don't feel comfortable, no one else, we make everyone around us feel uncomfortable. You ever met a person at work who's maybe overweight and doesn't look handsome or beautiful by any stretch of the imagination? But they're a very confident person. Mm. You know what? They put everyone at ease. Everyone around them feels relaxed. You can meet a person who perhaps is very talented very handsome, but he's very insecure. You know, you have to walk in eggshells around him. He's insecure. He makes everyone around him feel insecure. So the problem is not <laughs> the outside. It's, it's, it's us. When a Jew feels comfortable with the idea of the chosen people, the world is, has, has only respect. They have no problem because they know it's the truth. <laughs> the problem, but when the Jew feels uncomfortable, so we project that insecurity. So if we don't feel comfortable with our Jewishness, you want the non-Jew to feel comfortable with our Jewishness. Not when Israel is, is is like so insecure and so incoherent and so inconsistent, and you know, so we make the whole world uncomfortable because we're not speak, We're speaking Hebrew, but we're not speaking coherently. We're not speaking with a consistent message. We're not telling the truth. But this is this is a problem. This is the real. It's an internal issue. It's a very deep issue. um, But ultimately, the message will get through because Hashem has confidence in us, every one of us. And He surely has confidence in His message. (laughs) And the message will get through despite all the obstacles from within and from without sometimes the obstacles from within are harder to take than the obstacles from without you know but the truth will prevail there's no question it's not a doubt the Mashiach is coming it's it's inevitable it's inevitable the truth will emerge there's no question Question is: Will we have to go through a painful route to get there, or will come through in a,
2: well, I'm not in a too smooth ride?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, too much traffic. Well, unfortunately, I think we did go through the painful route. But from, at, from this point, this point, um, it should be a smooth ride. But it, you know, but a lot of it depends on us. Truth will always prevail, but truth needs a little help. Truth needs the courage of our conviction to stand up for the truth. And to push the truth and to communicate the truth. Push, uh, truth needs a person who has courage to live the truth and to say the truth when it's not, when it's difficult to say the truth, when things are not clear. You know, today everyone realizes that Oslo was a joke. Oslo is the biggest, you know, mistake and the biggest error, most strategic error, one of the biggest errors in probably in history. The question is it took a lot of courage to say that in 1993 when it started when everyone was dancing with peace and peace and you know people were so swept up with this with this illusion today it doesn't take a lot of courage just to to say call a spade a spade so obvious so clear-cut unless you're totally delusional only those who are still completely delusional can still find any merit any merit in Oslo. But the truth is nothing changed between now and, two ta- and, and 1993. Anyone, any five-year-old child could have told you in 1993 that this is, the emperor has no clothes. There isn't a single point of truth behind Nazareth. It's purely false. Beginning, middle to end. Do you know the, the PA authority last week in the major paper? A huge story. The temple never existed. Jews have no connection. King Solomon is a myth. Jews have no connection to the land of Israel. This is our peace partner. This is 2010 and the verge of 2011, and they're ready to give up Jerusalem to these guys. And Jews have no connection to the land of Israel. The temple never existed. I I mean, nothing changed, Tina. Anyone could have told you in 1993 that this whole thing is a farce. You don't make peace with enemies. You make peace with enemies that cease to be enemies, not enemies that remain your enemies and claim that they have no connection to the land of Israel and trying the most monstrous lie and rewriting history and going... I, it's just mind-boggling. The world's bestseller, the Bible, Every the whole all religions are based on the Torah and the, the Jewish people, the history of the Jewish people. I mean, to get up, it's, it's like some Japanese coming to America and saying George Washington never existed. I mean, it's just... It's so... Inf- and it's so the chutzpah is so this is a declaration of war not only isn't it peace anyone that can make such a statement it's a declaration of war peace you're trying to destroy our history make up, pretend that it's just mind-boggling and the pure chutzpah we're not going to discuss if you go back to the Arab statements before 1948 in their official statement the Mufti of Jerusalem claims in their official statement... they're proud of it... that their mosque is standing on the place... where the Jews had two temples... in their official for thousands of years... this is what they wrote and thought because that's the truth... but anyone could have told you that in 1993... nothing changed... this is a farce... it's an insult... it's a dangerous illusion... as someone once put it... if someone would run his business this way... if you gave your money to an investor... and he invested... in such a company... A company that's a con artist, a company that, that he would be arrested. And here we're not talking about money, we're talking about life. Israel is playing with life. A thousand, over a thousand Jews lost their life. Two thousand Jews lost their life because of this mistake. You're not talking about you lost your investment with Bernie Madoff. Two thousand Jews lost their life. 10,000 Jews lost their limbs, are crippled for life. 100,000 Jews are mourners because they lost a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a daughter, and a son. And many families, all three together. So, those who schemed, who plotted, who designed Adlo, if this was business, they would have been arrested. It's gross negligence. You trust a a, a person who gave you his money, his life savings, you trust your life savings with this Khan artist? This is grounds for for arrest. You trust lives. You're putting the lives of six million Jews in danger for this farce, for these illusions, because it's politically correct.
2: What is this? Everybody says it's politically. Polit- politics, we know, is corrupt. So the politically it's, it's like an oxymoron. Exactly,
1: <laughs> and especially when it comes to life, we're not allowed to play politics. Comes to life, life has to be based on reality and truth. There's no other factors. Politics is not allowed to enter. It's not a factor that's allowed according to halach. So again, today it's obvious to everyone, except the most extreme, delusional, self-hating person. It's it's obvious to everyone that the whole thing was one big farce. But the truth is, nothing changed between now and 1993. Anyone who was honest and open, any five-year-old child with the clarity of, could have seen and told you that this whole thing was a farce. But it takes a lot of courage. You need the courage to say it and to stand up for it and to speak speak out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the truth will always prevail at the end of the day. But truth needs help. And that's where our role comes in. We have to have the confidence, show a little courage, a little confidence. You don't have to embellish and you don't have to dilute and you don't have to dumb down. And and even though we live in a very artificial world and everything today is so artificial and manufactured, people are thirsting for something genuine. People are hungry for something genuine. Because, because everything is so artificial and manufactured, people want MS and truth. And they can't get enough of it. And all we have to do is just make the truth available and make the truth accessible. And, um, you know, there's no more powerful safer, there's no more powerful book that has accomplished that, that has made the truths, the deepest truths, the crown jewels of the Torah, available and accessible to each and every Jew in a language that each and every one of us can understand. The book of the Beninim, this is written for each and every truth, for the average truth, for 99.9% of us. We're not the tzaddik, not the perfect saint, mystic, heavenly person, earthy, down-to-earth, average.
2: Mm.
1: And al brought all these truths and made it available to us and accessible. And no one before has ever done anything like this. You know, to dig in and to discover the jewels of the Torah and to hand it to us and to make it available to us so this is the Tanya and we're very grateful in 48 hours we're going to celebrate begin celebrating for the next 48 hours <laughs> the holiday of Yiddish and Chav which is the holiday of publishing of the Tanya and the liberation of Alter Rebbe who sacrificed his life, ready to put his life on the line for these teachings, for the success of these teachings. And after the Rebbe triumphed and he was vindicated, and as a result, these teachings became available and accessible. And each successive Rebbe took these teachings and elaborated it and went deeper and deeper and told and the Rebbe publicized it and communicated it literally to all four corners of the the earth.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.